This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 167. This week, I met up with chef and author Monica Gowardin to find out all about Goa. It's a part of India she spent years exploring, and she shares so many great tips for people visiting, as well as talking us through the inspiration behind the recipe she's written for our new issue. We talk about coastal fish cooking, beachfront food markets, and even where to get going chorizo. Okay, so we've got a very special guest on the podcast today, someone who's appearing in our September issue. It's Monica Gordon, um, chef, author, um, contributing editor, Vogue India, and regular at the River Cottage and Jamie Oliver Cookery School, amongst many, many other things. So welcome, Monica. What an introduction, Jamie. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure and so excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're thrilled you're in the issue. Monica actually turned up this morning with a bag of the food. most amazing <laughs> food. So I'm really excited to, let's get this over with and get upstairs. <laughs> yeah, <and even laughs> that's, that's the more like it. But what we're really here to talk about is Goa, mm-hmm. because um, you pitched me this idea Idea a few months ago, which is you were you were going to go traveling in Goa, and um, you said there's so much more to it than people know about. There's yeah. so much other things than you know people think about, like coconut and fish curry and kind yeah. of coastal. But you you said um, there's a whole other life going on there. So there let's is. talk about that. Um, I mean, I was born in in Mumbai, Bombay, as you like to call it, and um, I mean I've grown up on the coastal side of India. Yeah. So for me eating coastal food was inherently, I suppose, part of my DNA. Um, you know, I remember when I was younger, fisherwomen would actually come to our house. Really? Yeah, on a Sunday and big, bring like big wicker baskets. And then my grandmother or my mother would like, you know, sift through a pomfret or fresh crab and the crabs would be crawling. And wow. they would, we'd, I still remember we have this big sink and all the live crab would go on one side and then they'd kind of pick and pluck and everything. It was like a little... Like a little production production line, line. Yeah. so my mother would do it my dad would do it and then some would be get frozen and then you know we, we'd kind of have um a sunday lunch with like a, a really really lovely um go, like a maloni crab curry so it's right. like from my hometown but uh basically that crab curry recipe i don't make it very often i make it only when i can find blue summer crabs in the uk okay but it has about 20 spices Is it? yeah and it's a long drawn <laughs> process but i think um even on a regular day we'd have fried fish fish curry and rice. And I think that was a staple for most of West of India. At the age of 15 was the first time, 14 or 15 was the first time I actually traveled to Goa. Okay. And I went with my parents and I fell in love with not just the culture, but the cuisine, the communities, the people, all of it. And then I think I caught the bug. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, unlike what most people know, Goa is also a party city. Is it? Yeah, a party sort of region. So, um, <laughs> you know, even back then, I'm showing my age, um, you know, at the age of like 16, 17, we'd go with friends for Christmas and New Year. Oh, so we'd okay. stay, we'd, we'd go on the 22nd and then yeah. stay till the 3rd okay. of January. And then basically you celebrate Christmas, celebrate New Year's there. Yeah. But the idea was always actually trying to hunt for, you know, sustenance yeah. and good food yeah. uh, while trying to actually enjoy the music and the dance. <laughs> so you'd have all these rave you know, things going on in all the beaches, you know, yeah. Baga Beach or whatever, which are quite popular. And then basically the tents would be, or the marquees would be out and you could hear the music outside the marquees. Yeah. But my interest generally was in those lanes leading up to the 
marquees because in the lanes you could find a really delicious masala omelette being cooked at like four in the morning with a hot cup of chai while you watch the sunrise. Uh, <laughs> and my God, life was good. It sounds idyllic. <laughs> it was idyllic. And I think, um, I don't think when I was actually in my teens, I kind of appreciated that element of it as much as I do now. Yeah. But over the years, I have gone back and gone back and gone back. And for me, it's always been a case of, you know, when, when I'm in the UK and I have been here for what the best part of, 18, 20 years and I still remember the first time I came uh, to England and somebody said let's go for an Indian and I was like what kind and then they said um, just an Indian just generic J just yeah. an Indian and I was like you know in my head I was thinking when you're in India there's a Gujarati restaurant there's a Punjabi yeah, restaurant there's course. an Andhra restaurant so you can't encompass one menu with all these flavors on it no. so for me it just kind of mind boggled me slightly um and then, you know, the whole idea of actually the concept of even when people talk about, oh, I made a go and fish curry. And I'm thinking, oh, what kind of fish curry did you actually make? Did you make so different many Did you kinds, make a balchow? Did you yeah. make a caldino? Did you make, you know, any sort of thing? Or even like a kumri masala, which you've got in the issue this, yeah. this month. And I just feel like those are the elements of every region and every state that are missing yeah. slightly because you understand and you kind of identify with the fact that even every region or state actually has their own identity. Yeah, of course. Goa generally, I mean, um, you know, there's so many influences. People say, oh, there's a Portuguese influence. Yeah, that's the famous influence. That, <clears throat> that is the famous up, influence. Yeah. But I think that came from a very kind of, a very different space. Uh, of course, most, well, I think some people would know there were no chilies in India before the Portuguese landed. The Portuguese brought them. They brought them with them. But <laughs> can you imagine? That's a big thing. That's a massive thing. So can yeah. you imagine a diet in Indian cuisine without any chilies? The only thing we would actually tend to use is actually black pepper. Oh, okay. But even that's like the heat. Uh, yeah, you need the heat, but that also wasn't readily available because black pepper grows in the southern part of India. Okay. So not in the west or in the east or in the, in the north. And, you know, you realize from those things, I mean, they, they came to India, uh, Portuguese came to India in the 16th century. Yeah. But unlike what people assume that they first went to Goa, they actually went to the east. So oh, okay. they, they actually went towards Bengal. And I think the other thing people don't realize, a lot of Bengali food has actually got Portuguese influences as well. Okay. So then when they came, they actually came to India as traders. Yeah. So along with them, they bought, um, you know, they bought vegetables, they bought fruits, they bought spices. And really? hence they bought so, chilies. Yeah, yeah. But um, with that, they also, the, the ingredients were the kind that they bought, but also they what they bought with them was a, a lifestyle, a culture, a community. Okay. And I think all those reflect in in the way people also cook and what they eat. Okay. And um, you know, I mean, they, I think the, the the they were trying to also identify ways of how you can grow this locally using the sunshine, the soil, all of that in that region. So basically, bringing their ideas and saying, how can we make it happen here as well? Because yeah. they were essentially at one point going yeah. to invade the yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So how do we make it comfortable <laughs> for us? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the good sides were the, all these other aspects mm. they actually brought along to it. And I think, um, you know, things like using vinegar, um, yeah. you know, I mean, also j just the kind of chilies, the variety of chilies that you now get, the sheer variety is just... Isn't it? And it's, it's actually amazing because some dishes will use a certain variety because you don't want them that, that hot. Right. Some dishes, you want them, to, the marinades to be really searingly mm. hot, but you also want that vibrant color. So you need another variety. Yeah. So I think those aspects you understand more as the years and centuries. So many by. layers. So many layers and yeah. so many flavors. But I think uh, as a general rule of thumb, um, just to keep it kind of, you know, quite basic for yeah. listeners, I think the one thing I'll say is Goa is not just Goa. No. Goa is divided into Hindu Goans, Muslim Goans, oh, okay. Portuguese Goans. 
Okay, and Christian Goans. Oh wow. Okay. okay so there's four different. <laughs> yeah. So for instance, Hindu Goans because they are based in Goa. Yeah. Um, unlike Hindus are around the country, Hindu Goans will actually still have uh, chicken and meat. Right. Okay, but they will limit it to that. Whereas Christian Goans will also have pork. I but see. But Hindu Goans won't have Hindu pork. Won't have pork. Yeah. Okay. So what I've given you in terms of the issue as well is is a variety. Yeah. But say for instance, if we talk about the aubergine pickle. Yeah. That's typically Hindu Goan. Okay, but we talk about the pork balchow. Yeah, that's Christian Goan. Okay, so you won't find that in different households yeah. and different places. So uh, some things are very similar. So if you um, there's a term called sitti kori, which is I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's actually it's it's x i t t, and kori is you know k o d i. Yes, that's fish curry rice. Oh right. Okay. okay so for anybody in the west of India, you you ask them, do you like fish curry rice? The answer will a hundred times be yes. <laughs> So my household in in Mumbai as well always had fish curry rice. Right. Okay. So it's a coconut based curry. Um, it's uh, predominantly quite um, spicy, but Muslim goans will make it slightly milder. Yeah. Um, but for us in 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 Mumbai, mum would on you know any day given fish curry, hot steaming fish curry, pomfret in it, which is yeah, similar. Yeah, it's a really lovely sort of it's mild. Like a flat fish. It's a flat fish, fish and it's really kind of mild and it's really yeah. succulent and moist. It's lovely. and then along with that on the side when you actually mix the fish curry and the rice together you make it quite soupy yeah so you don't make it quite stodgy and thick uh, okay. and then along with on the side you'd have like maybe crispy bombay duck or crispy prawns oh, i'm so hungry so yeah so i think <laughs> you know i think a spoonful of rice and yeah. curry with that crispy prawn the texture yeah, yeah, yeah. and flavor all of that was just sublime and what about if people are visiting goa today um <clears throat> what sort of eating out experiences can they can they expect i mean you mentioned before about the lanes going down to the beach mm. would that be like a street food experience where someone's got a little cart or would they yeah. also be like little restaurants i think you'll get loads now of course goa has become like a holiday destination yeah, for course. not just people overseas but even within india yeah you know so um i was there in march or april and yeah by the time monsoon set in which is usually between june and september yeah. is actually the highest influx of indian Traveler during monsoon season. During monsoon okay. season, because I guess they know what they're dealing with. They know what they're dealing with. Also, um, it's the summer holidays. Yeah. So people are assuming, well, we don't want to stay in our cities, no. which are like crowded and busy. Want to get Let's out go to, to the coastal yeah. side. So even if it's raining and you're in a Portuguese villa, yeah. Do you know how bad can that be? It doesn't sound bad to me. At Absolutely. All. <laughs> so, um, you know, like sit and have a small portion of like fish fofos or yeah. like a glass of beer, watch the rain chucking it down. Yeah. You know, the sea in front of you, a lovely. Portuguese villa. I think that's what they kind of vie for. Yeah. But I think um, it's a very. It's actually in terms of region, it's it's pretty wide and it's pretty vast. Yeah. Okay. So you can go from the you know from the north, which is like um, right up there, and there, there's a place called Bardes, which is the, so basically is divided divided into twelve little districts. Okay. Okay. Bardes is just one of the districts, and essentially what happens is um, every district will have their own little market. So um there's a obviously the one some of the most famous ones would be you know the ones that most people have heard of so if you actually have uh, I mean you look at the Panjim which is the capital okay Panaji as most people like to call it there is um you know you'll get all your local markets you'll get your street food you'll get all of that but then if you go up north in Bardes you'll find you know there's the Mapusa market right and it's amazing So is that a market that covers everything food um food gifts, vegetables drinks um so it's a, it's essentially a food and it's an eating and drink market eating not and drinking a, market and, oh, uh, and as well. yeah so yeah. you can go outside mapusa market okay. and you'll get all the eatables 
and you go inside Mapasa market and you can buy. So I've gone there plenty of times <laughs> and I've bought um, go and chorizo. Chorizo. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but it's actually, I think to be honest, I'm biased, but it's better than. Oh, I would love chorizo. to try it's, that. It's slightly more smoky. Yeah. It's pork based, but it literally has a really unctuous, lovely wow. flavor. And because they use um, Kashmiri or Biagdi chilies yeah, the lovely, within it, right, yeah. the redness when you yeah. actually fry it. And all like the most. Um, Is there a charcuterie thing happening there? Then because of the pork, because I'm thinking Portuguese, always, Spanish, always. But I think you have to get a right supplier yeah. for it because some will add vinegar to cure it and keep it right, fresh. Um, preserve it, yeah. yeah, and also the kind of chili variety they use in the garlic they use in the sausage okay. is really important. It's really tiny, so um, I'll show you pictures later. I've got loads of pictures of them. So they hang. They basically hang from the shops. And they hang like little ropes. Really skinny sausage. Really skinny sounds sausage. like, you know, if you like, had the cabanas. Yeah, the kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much like yeah. that. So basically it's like, and it's quite dark. Okay. But the most common thing to do with a goan chorizo uh, is um, fry it yeah. and stuff it in pow. And then just eat it. Oh, sounds good. And the thing is the oils. <laughs> yeah, the will natural chili will just come red, out. So yeah. it won't be like dry or anything. It'll be nice no. and moist when you bite into it. You know, you've got the pork, you've got the chili, you've got the garlic. Uh, some people put spices as well, so you'll have a little bit of cumin. Um, but the main key ingredient would so be... So you need a lot of napkins. You need a, need a lot of napkins, but I think it's just so delicious. But I can't get it here. Yeah. But when I go back, I stock up like a mental boy. <laughs> <laughs> and apart from the markets, I guess, would there be like small, more family-run restaurants? Rather there than are loads of family-run restaurants. I mean, some are like, you know, 20... 30 years old. Wow. But again, um, it'll depend. Like some people will only cook things that come from their family. Right, okay. <clears throat> they won't cook everything. Yeah. But I have been to loads and loads of restaurants there where, you know, they lure fish caldeen, which is a fish curry. Yeah. And they'll do it so well. Like, I mean, you think the flavors are really simplistic, which is just coconut milk based with like, you know, peppercorns and coriander yeah. and all of that. But, but they, just... they just do it so well. I mean, I think you have to find the right places because, you know, I say fried prawns yeah. and what we in the in the west of India because I think synonymously the edge of Goa is very close to Maharashtra which is okay. where Mumbai is yeah okay so the influences are very similar so, down to, yeah. yeah so they kind of blend in almost okay. so the boundaries are really blurred yeah but the way and techniques of cooking are slightly different yeah so we used to have crispy fried prawns at my home and even in restaurants in Mumbai so for instance they do rava fried prawn yeah which is rava means semolina Oh, fried okay. prawn okay so but the even the quality of the prawn is really important you don't want really tiny ones you, no, want, you want nice big, big ones. ones yeah like the jumbo prawns yeah they're huge <laughs> yeah and you know kind of coating them in like other vinegar chili garlic and then after that kind of you know um sort of finishing them with a good layer of like um i'd say really um coarse semolina Nice. And then frying them. Yeah. You know, so you get the crispy coating on the outside. Wow. So I think even like um, if you go to, you know, one of the age old restaurants, one thing you will find is that you can sit there and you can have like on, on a Sunday afternoon or even on a weekday, just at two o'clock or three o'clock, have a plate of uh, crispy fried prawns, yeah. a glass of chilled beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just watch you know, life go by. Yeah, so you can just go and kind of snack. And, you can go yeah. and snack. And, you know, they they have this term in Goa called susegado, which is basically that um, <laughs> it means uh, like, you know, a leisurely kind of, you know, pace of yeah, life. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> and not taking anything too, like, you no, know, seriously. seriously yeah. And just kind of going with it. Laid back. Laid back. Yeah. And, oh my God, we need more susegado. Yeah. 
Stick around to hear more from Monica, including all about the delicious recipe she's cooking up for our September issue. Let's talk specifically about some of the um, recipes you've written mm. for us. Um, one thing you, you you touched on it before was the brinjal pickle. Yeah. Um, and you say in the intro that um, most pickling in India is done in the summer because the heat um, helps with the proce- the pickling yeah. process. Yeah. So, so pickling is something that's quite important and quite... I think pickling um, or even dry curing anything. Um, So if you, just touching on, say, you know, the produce in certain cultures and communities. So say, for instance, um, you know, you look at the abundance of fish in the west coast of India, okay, which is uh, Maharashtra, Goa, and then going down towards, you know, Kerala, that whole area of the west coast. Mm -hmm. You will find that, of course, it's an abundance, but most people say that... um, if I'm correct, so the, in India, the, my mother used to say this, yeah, <laughs> that in India, in the, in the months that actually don't have an R. Oh yeah, we've got that one as oh, well. Oh really? But for oysters, like don't only eat oysters in the month that has got an R in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the months that don't have an R, you shouldn't actually be consuming fish. Mm. Okay, any any kind of fish, and by fish I mean. I think like it's because when it's warm, they're kind of spawning. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So that was June, July, August. Oh, so that's when you would be, yeah. That's monsoon. Okay. And that you would kind of veer away from actually, unless yeah. you get really good quality or, you yeah. know, you you know a trusted supplier. So that's when you're eating your preserves. That was, that's when you're eating your preserve. Like say for instance, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Bombay ducks. Yeah. Yeah. So they're cured and they're dried. But that's fish, isn't it? That is fish, but yeah. that's dried in the sun. Okay. So basically between, I'd say, um, March and May. Yeah. yeah, that's when all the pickling and the drying oh, takes okay. place because yeah. the heat is so scorchingly hot. Yeah, that you like, can put it out in the sun. You can put it out in the sun and it'll kind of pickle or dry. Yeah. So even uh, we used to get these um, thing called sungta, which is this is called sungta even in, in Goa as well. They are small prawns. Yeah. But they're not shrimps. They're very, very tiny. And you dry those. Oh. And I still have some actually. They, they smell vile. But the point is, um, it's a bit of a process, but I kid you not, it makes the best, best, best oh, so you, Are they, you like bash them up? You don't, bash, you them don't, up. You don't bash them up. They're almost like the dried shrimp. Oh yeah, like in Thai food. In Thai, thai food, food, yeah. But uh, you have to kind of, um, they're very tiny so because they're all dried. So you, yeah. I take off the head, you have to take off legs and then you boil them. Oh really? So yeah. you reconstitute you, them? You kind of, yeah, infuse a little bit of moisture, but just for like two minutes or three yeah. minutes. And then you make your little like base sauce of like tomatoes, garlic, ginger, chili. And then you bung the prawns in. Yeah. And there's this like salty. I was going to say umami. it's salty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like you put a pinch of jaggery. Yeah. And the thing is, Goan jaggery is obviously based on around coconut because it's made. Uh, it, jaggery is an unrefined, unrefined sugar. sugar. It's like cane sugar. Which it's is, cane sugar. And yeah. you would get different uh, grades and varieties yeah. all across India. So, so some might be really light yeah. in color and some might be deep, rich and dark. But the one you get in Goa, if you ever go to say Mapusa market yeah. or any of the other Panjim markets or whatever, they when they put it in the markets, they, they're triangle. Oh, really? They're, yeah, like they're shaped little, like a triangle. Because it comes in a little solid block. It often, comes in a solid yeah, block, but it's, it's literally like, um, it's it almost, it's like really dark. Yeah. It's like almost black. Yeah. So you get that real deep caramel flavor. Deep caramel flavor. flavor, but it's also made uh, with coconut vinegar. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So it's, that's not the kind of jaggery you'll get anywhere in India. Yeah. Okay, so that's a very particular jaggery. Yeah. So that is great for these sort of curries because it lends that acidity. 
Yeah. And at the same time, it lends the it's sweetness. It's like sweet, sour, sweet, sweet sour, sour balance. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really lovely. But yeah, going back to the pickle itself, I think the whole idea of actually getting, you know, pickles kind of ready for monsoon season or even preserving vegetables because I mean even when I was growing up to be honest Jenny, we didn't have um, local supermarkets no okay so we were basing uh, you know what we ate based on availability yeah. cost and also um, accessibility yeah. like so if something was in our way then you can completely forget yeah. the idea of even just trying to <laughs> go there and get it. Yeah. So we literally had to base it on what is in our market, mm. local market, and go there, haggle for a right price because yeah. that was very important to my mother. Um, <laughs> and you know, if you don't get the right price, then you don't buy it. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I've uh, learned the rules of bargaining, <laughs> which is you you say a price and then you try and pretend you're going to walk up. Yeah, we're, I think as a nation, the British are terrible at really bartering. We just don't do it. We're too embarrassed about. No, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> I, I will do it. I will do. I think sometimes I do it out of principle more than anything now. Really? Yeah. And uh, and they kind of know. They kind of know. I think if it's within your culture, it you know that's it's fine because yeah. people expect it. But I'm when I was in Thailand this year, yeah, and people were saying, "Oh no, no, you don't pay the first price." And I was like, "But it's, no, but it's, it. but it's fine. It's not that expensive. I'm just gonna pay. I'm fine." I mean, the most hilarious thing was I was in. Um, Udaipur in Jaipur last year with friends and we'd gone to the store to pick up some paintings and they just looked absolutely stunning so I thought oh they look Aww. nice in my lounge and everything and uh, this guy was there and he was talking in Hindi so I think he thought I didn't understand the language and he was also talking Gujarati so he really thought I didn't understand the language and my friends obviously they were from England so they had an English accent so yeah. he thought we were all you from were, there yeah. <laughs> so yeah there are advantages of actually being Indian and, and sort of understanding you know being like multilingual because you yeah. are, I understand I don't speak everything fluently but I understand, but you understand I understand at least four or five yeah. So for me, I think it's an advantage because I mean, I let him talk <laughs> and talk. And, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I let him talk, let him continue his conversation and saying he's going to like, you know, up the price or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> and then after about like 10 minutes, I just conversed in Hindi and he just, his pace, it was just worth watching oh, because it fell to the them. floor and I was just like, okay. Right, you're done, mate. <laughs> cool. Um, and then another one, I love the name of this, the fish fofos. fofos. The fofos. Um, so what is fofo just a little croquette then? Is that what it's it means? It's a croquette, but um, they would use uh, salt, salt, salt cod. Salt cod, again, yeah. that's very Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. Um, but again, when they came, um, you know, you can't, uh, the availability of salt cod is obviously not, you no. know, wide, widely available. And cod, of course, you don't get that variety of fish in, in Goa. Yeah. So the whole idea of actually kind of converting that and trying to, you know, ensure it, keeps a flavor yeah. but also I think um, the palate of uh, people in India you want it to be slight full of flavor so you yeah. up every other aspect of it so you know whether you up the chili or the you know because I I think I slightly went a little crazy with the <laughs> garlic and the ginger and the chilli and this recipe because when it. I tried it as well I was like no, this, this is quite great. like this was really popular packed a punch really yeah I ate loads of them then I took them home and then I ate them on the shoot and then I took some home from yeah but um, I make fish fofos and I freeze them yeah that's good okay so mm. when you actually uh, just anybody who's listening if you actually cook this recipe what you could do is actually coat them in the breadcrumb mm. and then just put them in a box and make sure there's a little bit of gap between each between of them. them yeah. yeah. And then once you freeze them, don't defrost them. Oh, you can cook them from frozen. You cook them from frozen, yeah. but what you could do is actually bake them in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say give it about 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And before you bake them in the oven, maybe just splash a little bit of like regular olive oil or whatever on it. Maybe a tablespoon or so. 
and then on a baking tray. It makes it really easy. It makes it really easy. I love the fact that everyone in the world's got some kind of riff on a, a fish cake as well. Like, you know, it's like we love fish cakes in this yeah. country. <laughs> everyone's got something that's kind of covered in breadcrumbs. I think, and, um, I mean, if you look at a regular fish cake, which is, you know, just a... Yeah, fish pak- and potato. Yeah, like we call uh, fish cakes pakoras in, in yeah. India. But I think, um, I don't know, fish fofo just takes it up a notch yeah. if you ask me. Um, so I think the whole idea of actually having something that's kind of got, you know, not just depth and substance to it, but also kind of has a story behind it and history behind it, I think makes it that much more special. See, I feel. what I love about your recipes, because I've, I've done a lot of... Um, uh, Monica's got quite a few different you've got an app you've got your website monicagowarden.com which has got loads of your recipes yeah. on and I every other week I'm on there doing I know so. but then I love the I comment. worry when you try my yeah. recipes no, <laughs> they're all brilliant um, they're so helpful as in people at the bottom of the recipes are saying things like can I do this or can I swap in or yeah. I haven't got chicken on the bone you're like it'll be fine yeah. everything you say is it's fine just yeah, yeah, adapt yeah. it or like yeah. you just said with the fish cakes I mean look you know, I have to be honest, Janine, I I can sit here and, you know, say, do not use this, do not use that. You must do this. You must do that. <laughs> but let's be honest. I've been you know cooking for professionally for 12 years now. Um, I mean, the, the, the website you've mentioned has about 300 recipes. The app has about 520 recipes. And we have about 1.2 million people visiting the website regularly. Amazing. Yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, I think the main thing is I want the food I cook to be accessible. Yeah. But more than that, I really want to be able to kind of go out and say, well, this is, you know what? I know it sounds really selfish and I might might even sound lame, but basically what is on there is what I cook at home. Oh, that's great. So that, you know, the the logic of (laughs) like, uh, because some, I can't remember my own recipes. (laughs) I cook so many. It's lucky they're on there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so I refer back to it as well. Oh, you do. And then you change things around. If I change things or, the way I write a recipe, whether it's for a magazine or whether it's to mm. test or for my cookbook or even the website or whatever, but the way I write is based on how I think about how I'm cooking. Yeah. So I don't actually write it first. So I will tend to cook it first. And then and then in my head, right. I'm making mental notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, then I'll often. just make like rough notes and I'll think, well, this took that long. Can I do this? Can I do that? Whatever. You know, yeah. even the fofos, like I may, I do make them in batches. On a Sunday, we'll make fish fofos, you know, in the afternoon. Yeah. And I'll make about 50 of them. And yeah, I won't cook the, the lot. I'll cook about 20. Yeah. And then freeze the rest in like little boxes. And they're marked. Yeah. So and then I'm, you've done one bit of work. I've done a bit of work. Of and I feel like I've kind of, um, you know, yeah. I feel less guilty about leaving my family when I'm traveling. So yeah. if I ask my husband, <laughs> what are you having for dinner? And we like fish fofos. Like, great, you're having something good for dinner. Uh, which is homemade. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I think that usefulness <clears throat> is the reason that you're website and your app Mm. are very very popular and that people keep coming back to it because they realize that things are adaptable you're not very prescriptive about it you're kind of like yeah you can change stuff in as well yeah and I I think think that's the way people cook these days yeah but I think you've got to be because uh, listen when I actually first started cooking professionally Janine which was 12 years ago 14 years ago even there was no coriander in supermarkets no Sorry, changed a lot yeah so. there was no bird's eye chilies mm. like basics that we want to go and buy mm. you know forget getting to things like okra and all there was really no, there was no gram flour there was nothing yeah now you have Asian aisles yeah true you know with every ingredient yeah, that you can really find lucky. under the sun <laughs> in the supermarkets yeah at least the larger ones yeah but even the smaller ones will at least have chilies coriander something yeah 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 definitely so I think when you come from a place where 
you didn't have that much mm. you know and i have adapted the recipes from that time yeah to now i'm thinking well i i didn't have that much in terms of the ingredients yeah. and i still was able to adapt the recipes the idea for me was to make it accessible first and foremost for myself yeah. and then for the reader and then for people who are doing the recipe yeah. because i think at the end of the day what i don't want is for people to read through every single of my recipe and then go well actually i don't have this don't i have don't think this, i yeah. can actually cook this no so put that away in your head yeah look at what you have and i always say this my rule of thumb is that is that you know you can kind of do the recipe and if there's some ingredient that you can't find leave it out yeah yeah if it's not the main ingredient leave it out it's not going to change your recipe dr- drastically it'll alter it slightly mm. but you know just kind of go with it yeah because that's the best you can do i think that's a good a good um, message for life yeah but uh, <laughs> but anyway um I yeah but i think i think basic things like um you know what we have covered as well so tamarind for instance you know the great tamarind i know in every uh, and i have tried every supermarket yeah, tamarind ever you? in the uk <laughs> ever uh some tamarind jars will already have vinegar in it oh yeah some of them can be quite punchy can't quite they quite punchy and very like molassesy mm. kind of so they're very dark so be careful the amount of tamarind you're using yeah just yeah? because so you, you want to alter it small and then add yeah, if you want like a bit more sour but like some grades of tamarind in jars are actually quite weak and quite yeah. thin and they're not even as brown okay so again you might need like i know a certain supermarket where i can use two jars of it yeah. mini jars but somewhere else you know if i buy it from my asian supermarket then i'll just use one teaspoon of tamarind from the jar and that works well so you have to kind of balance adapt it, it out and yeah and then balance it to your palate as well because some people are a lot yeah. more sensitive to <clears throat> but i think certain uh, things tamarind jaggery you know they vary in grade so mm. be, be quite sort of you know understanding of the fact that whatever quality you get you add it to your palate yeah. it's like salt Yeah. Um but the other things you know like in India we would use cassia bark which is okay. the outer we don't tend to use cinnamon. Yeah. But yeah you can go ahead and use cinnamon. Yeah. Yeah that's okay to do. Yeah. But I think there are certain spices you you feel okay you can get hold of as an alternative use those. Yeah. Okay so um cassia tends to have a slightly more sweeter slightly more richer okay. flavor yeah. and it's great in um, in rice pudding as yeah. well. um but you know i mean cinnamon is fine because cinnamon is quite um flaky as well when yeah. you break it cassia is not like that it's quite it'll strong it'll it's a proper bark yeah, yeah. It's so bark. it's you kind of just halve it and then you add it to yeah. your oil and then kind of add your spice especially if you're cooking the chicken curry or you know the the beef curry as well i think we're we're very lucky actually to have if you go into any supermarket spice aisle you yeah. pretty much have a lot of can things can do all of your recipes yeah. just but from like that but also i think uh, now the accessibility of ha- getting everything online. Yeah, that's great. Like you don't and get it delivered the next day. Absolutely. It's crazy. I mean even things like curry leaves. Yeah. That's the one thing I get asked from a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I mean I've got an Indian supermarket quite close to me so yeah. I can get them in Turnpike Lane, but yeah. um but obviously it is it, I've tried them dried and I don't I find them quite bitter when yeah. they're dried, but so, so I can I kind of tend to just leave them out. So you don't add dried. I did I tried dried on one yeah. recipe and I didn't really like the the, t- the flavor yeah. at the end. I mean it. dried doesn't have that much moisture. You're no. right. So basically it, it really won't have anything that it can no. actually add to, to, to it to yeah. it as a, another element of flavor. Yeah. But you know what like I have actually ordered curry leaves online 
and they've arrived the next day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's just so yeah, I'm proof that yeah. you can find it if you want to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think most ingredients I I always say try and leave it out if you can't find it. You know yeah. the the kolmi masala which is a the prawn curry. Yeah, the prawn the curry. Asian, that has curry leaves and yeah, if you can't find it leave it yeah. out. but you can get them online yeah but even if you use dried what i would suggest is at the end when you're kind of kind of you know adding coriander or whatever just, just crush add, them crush it crush then. it and yeah. add it i think when it when it's in a long time it doesn't yeah. really get as much because i think the basically when you're adding curry leaves to the oil yeah it's tempering the oil yeah. so it's flavoring the oil because it's, it's releasing it's releasing it's it's yeah, flavor it's moisture, yeah. yeah whereas dry wouldn't do it's that so just add it at the end along yeah. with coriander as you garnish Great tips there. Well, thank you so much for coming to speak to us today. Um, um Monica's done uh, six incredible recipes which are out in the September issue. And may I say they look stunning. Yeah. <laughs> may I say they look stunning. We took some beautiful pictures of them You've and ate them. You've taken amazing pictures. Um, all I want to eat. And if people want to catch up with you online, you you are cooking a curry on Instagram. Yes, which almost. is great. I would follow that and she does <laughs> loads of really lovely Instagram stories where you can see her cooking curries from scratch. Um website monicagowarden.com and your app is that just called is Do- Monica's Indian Recipes. Monica's Indian Recipes. Great. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming thank today. Thank you Janine It's for having me. Enlightening. Thank you. Thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new September issue with all of those brilliant going recipes in on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now. We'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. 